We're going to continue in the book of Romans tonight. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, we're in Romans 13. You have to find our text for this evening in the bulletin. Um, I've got some big news tonight. Um, pending the signing of the contract, Grace is going to start worshiping at the Chapman Cultural Center uh, on September 5th. Now, we are still pursuing the building on Brawley Street for permanent home, but this is going to give us a place to meet. In the meantime, we're signing a six-month lease, uh, and it also is going to allow us to move worship back to 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. I know that there are about four of you who are sad about that, um, but I think, I think most everybody's going to welcome that change. It's also going to enable us, hopefully, to get started back with Sunday school for all ages as well, so stay tuned for that. Now, one of the things that you need to know about the Chapman is that they do host plays year-round. And we will be meeting in the theater, and so occasionally the set from whatever play is happening at that time is going to be in the background as we're having worship and as I'm preaching. Uh, but don't worry, we know how to be flexible. In fact, Dylan Nass has suggested that each Sunday I dress according to whatever play is currently going on at the Chapman Cultural Center. Uh, so if the play is The Lost Highway, then I'll dress like Hank Williams, which would be kind of fun. If the play is The Cat in the Hat, then I guess I'll dress like The Cat in the Hat. Um, and I am going to give Dylan's suggestion the consideration it deserves. So, um, but but, but what, what, is, what does he want me to do? He wants me to dress in a way that's appropriate to the play. In the text we're about to read, Paul is asking believers to dress in a way that's appropriate to who they are as followers of Jesus. And we're going to talk about what that means and why that matters and how we do it. All right. So this is God's word, Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time, the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, help us as we look together at your word now. Would you guide my words? Would you guide our hearing? Would you open our hearts? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, what does it mean for the Christian to dress appropriately? 
Now, Paul's obviously not talking about actual clothing, but what is it that he wants us to do? Look at verse 12. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. There are clothes that Paul wants us to take off and there are clothes that he wants us to put on. What's the clothing that he wants us to take off? Look in verse 13. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Uh, believers, Paul says, are not to give themselves to drunken parties. The Bible doesn't prohibit the use of alcohol, but it does prohibit the misuse of alcohol. Believers should avoid sex outside of the context of a relationship between a husband and a wife. The Bible sees sex as a good thing if it's used in the right way. Believers should interact with others in ways that avoid quarreling and jealousy. Uh, this list isn't exhaustive, but from the list you can tell, tell that Paul is encouraging us to avoid certain types of behaviors and to replace those with behaviors that are more fitting uh, for who we are as believers. So we're going to take things off and we're going to put things on. What are we going to put on? He tells us to put on the armor of light. Now, he may have in mind the armor of God, which he talks about in Ephesians chapter 6, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the gospel of peace and the shield of faith. Or he may simply be saying, Acknowledging that the Christian life is, the, is a battle, that we are to dress appropriately, we are to, to, to put on what is appropriate for the light of day, and to leave behind those misdeeds that are often associated with the nighttime. Uh, our family went camp, camping last week, and the, the clothing that I wore hiking was not the same clothing that I wore rafting. It was not the same clothing I wore sitting around the campfire. It was not the same clothing I would wear tonight. It was not the same clothing I would wear for a wedding or for a funeral. I dressed appropriately to the occasion. The Christian is to clothe themselves in ways that are appropriate for those who profess to follow Jesus Christ. Now, Paul gets at this same thing in a slightly different way in verses 8 through 10 where he says basically the, the appropriate clothing for Christians to wear, the behavior that we are to exhibit is to love one another. Verse 8, owe no one anything except to love one another. Now, debt is a four-letter word that, that many of us are familiar with, student loan debt, credit card debt, all, all kind of debt. And if we have a debt, what is Dave Ramsey properly trained all of us to do? We need to start trying to pay those debts off, pay that debt down. You want to you get rid of debt. There is a debt, though, that Paul says here that you never get rid of, that you can never pay off, that you and I can never get to the place where we can say, I've loved them as much as I need to love them. That I, you know, I, I owe them $50 worth of love. I, I figured out that's about what it is. So I'm going to write down every time I do something nice for them. And when I get the $50 worth of love, I will have paid off my debt. And I can quit loving them and move on to the next thing on my list. Paul says, you have a permanent, ongoing obligation to love one another. Now, 
some of us have a hard time receiving help, which means we have a hard time resting in Jesus. And some of us, when we do receive help, we can't rest until we somehow feel like we've been nice to that person in return and done something, you know, we, 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 we fulfilled our obligation. We say, whew, I'm glad I took care of that. I paid the debt. We're even. And his verses say, no, you, that's not really right. You're never really even. In fact, to look at it that way is, is kind of messed up. Whether someone has done a million nice things for you or one nice thing for you or whether even their enemy, we have an ongoing obligation to love other people that never goes away. And when the Bible calls us to love others, it doesn't allow us to define what that looks like for ourselves. It tells us what love is. It shows us the form that love is supposed to take. It tells us that love is much more than emotional feeling. It's not something that we just fall into. Love is an action. It involves doing specific things. Like what? What does is, what is loving look like? Well, look at verse 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandments are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, when he was asked what the two greatest commandments were, he said, number one is love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Where do I find out what it looks like to love God though? Well, that's what the first four of the Ten Commandments tell us. And where do I see what it looks like to love my neighbor? Do I just have to guess? No, that's what the, the second six of the Ten Commandments show us, which Paul is alluding to here. Love is not opposed to law, but love is actually the fulfilling of the law. If I say I love my wife very much and I get her flowers for her birthday and buy her presents, but if at the same time I'm having an affair and I'm lying to her and I'm stealing from her, am I really loving her? Well, no, of course not. But why not? I, I feel love for her. I, I, I bought her flowers. Love's not defined by me, though. Love's not defined by flowers. To, to love her, to love your spouse, is not to commit adultery and not to steal and not to lie. We often, I think, try to pit law and love against each other like they're these two entirely different things. But according to the Bible, the law shows us what it looks like to love another person. We try to pit the Old Testament and New Testament against each other. And we say, well, the Old Testament is just all these rules in the New Testament is all about just being loving. But do you know where love your neighbor, what that's a quotation from, where that comes from? <clears throat> that comes from the book of Leviticus, which is like the most law, it's got more laws, you could be reading them for days. Okay, it's from the book of Leviticus. Love does not overthrow the law. Love does not replace the law. So love is to keep God's law. The, the Ten Commandments show us how to love God and show us how to love our neighbor. And so the clothing that you and I are supposed to wear is not the clothing of law breakers, it's the clothing of law keepers. Now, if you remember the movie, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Well, what's one of the first things those guys wanted to do when they broke out of prison? They wanted to get rid of their prison uniforms. Paul is saying to Christians, 
You need to get rid of your prison uniform. Don't wear the uniform of lawbreakers anymore. That's not who you are. You've got new clothes. And you need to wear those. Well, why? Why does this matter? Why do we need to wear these new clothes? There's two reasons here. One, in the book of Romans, Paul has been making the argument that the law shows us how we're supposed to live. The law shows us how we are supposed to live. But we don't live that way. We don't love our neighbors like we're supposed to. We're lawbreakers. And so the law is a mirror. It, it shows us our sin. It shows us our shortcoming. It shows us that we need a Savior. And then the gospel comes along and it points us to the Savior that we need. It tells us about Jesus. It tells us about the God-man who did love God and did love his neighbor perfectly. Who did keep all of the Ten Commandments. And who then took the punishment that we deserve for our law-breaking. And then the gospel in, calls us to embrace Jesus Christ. And we, we embrace Jesus Christ by faith. Our sins are forgiven. We're made right with God. We're assured of eternal life. We're given the Holy Spirit. God begins this lifelong work of changing us from the inside out. So that, what's his goal in that? So that we become like Jesus who did what? Who loved God and loved his neighbor. God is intent in making us and the people who love God and love our neighbor, which involves what? It involves keeping the law of God. And so the law of God is a mirror that shows us our sin, but after we have received Christ and we are being changed by him, the law of God now serves as a map that shows us how to live. It's a map that shows us what it looks like to love our neighbor. It's a map that shows us how to be the people that God wants us to be. Uh, parents, have you ever told your kids not to do something and they're kind of grumbling about that? And, and you say, look, I'm not telling you this just because I want to restrict your freedom. I'm not telling you not to blindfold yourself and run backwards in traffic with scissors because I just don't like you very much. I'm telling you these things because I love you. And because I want what's best for you. Uh, we were in the mountains last week and there were some pretty steep grades. And so a lot of times going down these curvy roads, I would put our car down in the lowest gear to kind of slow it as we were going down here, going downhill. And Susan tells the story of coming back from a rafting trip in the mountains when she was in high school. And whoever was driving the church bus or van or whatever it was, put, put it down in low gear going down the mountain and never took it out. And so they were going all the way to Birmingham. And I don't remember if you said they made it all the way or so, somewhere along the way, that vehicle quit working, okay? Because it, it was not made to drive that far in low gear. Christian, you are not made to run in low gear. You, you are not made to commit adultery or to murder or to steal or to covet or to engage in drunken parties, or sexual immorality, or quarreling, or jealousy. And when you or I continually engage in those sorts of things, eventually we will blow up the engine, because that is not what we are made for. It's not what we're made for. We're made to love God. We're made to love one another. We're made to love our neighbor. And the law shows us how to do that. But then there's a second reason we're told to put on new clothes. Look in verse 11. 
Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. We are to live godly lives, loving our neighbors, because we understand what time it is. Now, parents, again, you know that children don't always understand what time it is. Uh, they don't always understand the appropriate time to laugh or to play or to talk and, and we have to train them in those things and when to use our inside voices and when to use our outside voices and when to be still. And Paul says, it's time for us to behave in a certain way. It's time for us to behave in this way and not in that way. But what time is he talking about? Well, he refers here to the hour of our salvation, the hour for you to wake. That our salvation is near. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. Uh, Paul is encouraging his original readers and us to be mindful of the return of Jesus Christ. Now, you read this in other passages, and it sounds at times like Paul is expecting Jesus to come back at any minute. But Paul also says in 1 Thessalonians that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. You won't expect it. Jesus in Matthew 24 tells us that no one knows when he's coming back except for the Father. Peter reminds us that a day to the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So I'd argue that Paul isn't so much saying, guys, Jesus is going to come back next Tuesday. Get ready. He's saying Jesus is coming back. It's the next big event in God's plan, and it might be next Tuesday. Therefore, you need to live like it might be next Tuesday. You need to live in a certain way. How is that verse 12 be again? So then, in light of this day we're living in, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. He's saying, look, this present evil age, which you used to be under the influence of, is passing away. This age that you used to participate in gladly with getting drunk and wild parties and sexual immorality, all that is on its way out. That age is passing away. A new day is dawning. Let's act like it. Let's behave like it. Let's live like Jesus is here with us now. Now, let's be honest. There's a part of us as Christians that still finds those old behaviors and that old lifestyle attractive. And there are times when you find yourself growing weary of the fight that's involved in pursuing holiness. You find yourself being attracted to those old deeds of darkness. And Paul is encouraging us to flee from all that and to clothe ourselves with deeds that are appropriate for this new day that we live in. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like we were street children and we were roaming the streets just surviving, dressed in rags, and someone brought us in off the street and dressed us and gave us food to eat and a place to live. And they told us, this is just the beginning. There's a more glorious day coming when you're going to have the richest food and the best clothes and a home you can't imagine but we grow impatient with waiting and we throw off the clothes and we turn away from the food and we run back out into the street again. And Paul says, guys, that's crazy. Quit living like that. Quit running back to the darkness and learn to live 
in the light. Uh, Nina Simone famously sang, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me and I'm feeling good. And Paul is saying, believer, wake up. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life. Now live like that. Live like that. Enjoy that. Well, how do we do it? Verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Uh, two things in this. This is the how to. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Uh, when we go camping, we want to make sure we have the right provisions with us for the trip. Water, food, sleeping bags, the right gear, playing cards, books, uh, all of these things. We want to make sure we have the right provisions. If you're a Christian, you still have remnants of that old sinful nature. Paul calls it the flesh. And the flesh wants you to bring along provisions for it to feed on. It wants you to bring along your grudges and your lust and your envy and your hatred and your jealousy and your bitterness. When, when you have a sinful thought, the flesh wants you to take that thought and roll that over in your mind over and over again. He wants you to pack it in the suitcase and carry it along with you. Uh, Luther famously said that you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. What birds are you allowing to make a nest in your hair? What sinful desires are you making provision for, dwelling on them, rolling them over in your mind, taking them along on the trip? Paul is calling us to empty the suitcase. He says, don't carry those along with you. And when they pop up and you realize what is happening, roll down the window and throw those things out and make no provision for the flesh. And then there's a second thing he says. He says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Galatians 3.27, we're told the place that when we place our faith in Jesus, when we've been baptized in a, into a relationship with him, we have put on Christ. We have clothed ourselves with Christ. So there's a sense in which we have already been clothed. We all, always have his righteous robes on us. But there's another sense in which you and I have to put on Jesus every day. Uh, Susan's family tells a story of Susan's mom encouraging Susan's dad one day to go and, and she wanted him to buy some new shirts. And so he went to the store and he came back a little bit later and he had two shirts and they were both the same shirt. And all of the ladies in the house were outraged. Like, why did you buy two shirts that are identical? And he said, well, I like that color. I like that shirt. He, he had found a shirt that gave him everything that he needed so he didn't need another shirt. Believer in Jesus, you have clothing in Jesus Christ that gives you everything that you need. Everything that you need. But every day, you and I see these other sets of clothing and we're tempted to put them on because of what we think that they will give us. And we need to remind ourselves every day, no, I don't 
that's not going to do for me what I think it's going to do for me. I have everything that I need in Jesus. He loves me. He delights in me. He's ruling all things for my good. He's in control. He's gone ahead to prepare a place for me. And even when I screw up, he forgives me. I need to put him on every day. Yeah, we know we, we all get up every day. We get dressed every day. We put on actual clothing. We put on our breakfast. We put on makeup. We put on, in a sense, what we read on Twitter. We put on what we listen to in the news. We put on the weather forecast. Tomorrow morning, I want to encourage you to get up and put on Jesus Christ. Put on Jesus. And if you're not sure what that looks like, then come grab me and let's talk about that some more. Let me pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, we would pray simply that you would help us to be those who put you on and who make no provision for the flesh. Would you help us to do this? Would you continue to transform us? Uh, indeed, Father, make us people who love you and love one another. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.